the secret to Starbucks success isn't the sauce. It's the people and how we treated each other. That's the secret. All right. Welcome back to the Wits Podcast. Today, once again, as usual, we have a wicked awesome guest. We have Howard Bahar. Howard's career in business spans over 50 years, all in consumer-orientated business, covering several industries. As the founding president of Starbucks International during his tenure, he participated in the growth of the company from 28 stores to over 15,000 stores spanning over five continents, and he served on the Starbucks board of directors for the last 12 years before retiring. Mr. Bahar is still active with nonprofit commitments, such as University of Washington Foundation, UW Business School of Mentoring Program as trustee for the Sherry and Les Biller Family Foundation. Howard is committed to the development and education of our future leaders and has been a longtime advocate of the servant leadership model, which is one of the oldest and one of the best. Howard, welcome to the show. So let's start there, man. I mean, let's start with, you know, what what, what is servant leadership to you? I mean, there are 11 core aspects that go into it. and But, you know, you know, break it down for us. Well, there's primarily one thing. You serve your people to help them achieve what they want out of their lives, make help to make them better human beings, to help make them better professionals, better better family members, and they will serve you. Mm-hmm. But you have to serve them first, and and that that means that you you trust them, you give them trust before they have to give you trust. You give them love before they give you love. It is putting yourself last in the journey and putting your people first. And that's what it's about. It's kind of like parenting. Yeah. yeah well, some parenting, yeah. <laughs> right. But it, it's primarily what it's about. And that's how great organizations work. You, you name the industry, you name the nonprofits, whatever. You know, the military are great servant leaders for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. People have the wrong idea about militant leadership. I mean, traditionally, you know, it did come from this place of sort of directness and authoritarian. But if you look at leadership taught in military today, it's a lot around servant leadership. Yeah. They're always out in front. Read their their leadership books. They're always ahead. And, you know, today's world, the business world, you know, I mean, there certainly is a movement, a significant movement towards servant leadership or what, Conscious capitalism, which is another form that started by John Mackey and and significant other types of organizations that are heading that way. And and there's a reason because the internet has made people more accountable. You can't hide. Right. Whatever you say, whatever you do, you know, it's there for posterity. You know, you tweet. I have to remind myself. Sometimes I get mad, particularly in political stuff, and I probably tweet stuff I shouldn't, but but it's there for posterity right. and you can't hide and look what's happened. I think one of the most interesting that's hap- thing that's happened because of, of the internet is look what happened at Uber. Mm-hmm. The guy that founds Uber is a complete, you know, a, uh, and a jerk. And he finally, he come, gets taken down because, uh, because the internet got went wild with the people that are working at, uber and telling everybody what was going on and the board finally had to act right so what you think there's a there, there, there there's a theme there which is uh absence of servant leadership and 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 pure capitalism yeah. pure narcissism pure selfishness yeah and again we're held accountable right you know servant leadership see is 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 about performance mm-hmm. you know as much as it is about anything else i mean you have to do what you say you're going to do that's part of servant leadership and not just on the leader's 
part, but on everybody, because everybody's a servant leader. In mm-hmm. a servant led organization, everybody is a servant leader. There's yeah. not one servant leader. Right. Let's go back. How did you come across servant leadership? Did I mean, were you ever introduced to Robert K. Greenleaf's stuff or? 50 years ago, I got a little pamphlet. It was called The, uh, the Leader is Servant, written by Robert Greenleaf. It was his first document that mm-hmm. he wrote. And, uh, and I, uh, some, a guy that I reported to gave me that pamphlet. And I was 25 years old. And I'm 76 now. And that started my journey. You know, I, I related to it right away. I, I had the bent of it, but I didn't understand what it meant. I didn't, I couldn't teach it. You know, I was an unconscious competent. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. words for it. I just was being Howard, so to speak. And then all of a sudden I get these words for it and, and more instruction about it and more, uh, uh, more views about it. And then I just became a student of it. And, you know, and that's where I decided I better learn to lead myself first. Would you say this was a foundation to your professional success, servant leadership? No question. No question. Yeah. Absolutely it was. It was, um, um, I grew up with a dad. My dad had a small mom and pop grocery store. And he, he had, it was a neighborhood grocery store. So in those days he had charge accounts for all the people. And I watched what he did. They weren't just his customers. They were his neighbors and his friends. And right. he treated that way. He was my original teacher of servant leadership. Of course, we didn't call it that. But and so that's it, that started me off at a very early age. Well, your dad came from the from the silent generation, which is also known as the greatest generation or the selfless generation, where you actually when you lived and you did business in the community, it was about connection, community, neighborhood, support, giving, service, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I used to do a lot of work around generations. And one of the things I tell stories around is like, yeah, back in certain communities, the butcher, the grocer, the, the yeah. mom and pop, the, the, there was a community around it, right? I mean, trust was at the core of everything. Well, trust is everything. Trust is, trust is what makes the world work. Right. Without trust, it doesn't work. What's what makes families work at its core? It's right. Trust right. in oneself is what make you work, right? And then it goes to families. You know, if there's no trust in a marriage, there's no marriage. Right. What do you think it takes to trust corporately? I mean, I think you know, in the world that we live, everyone is throwing out the word trust as a corporate thing, right? Like, oh, we need to build trust within our culture, and it's like this necessary thing that they need to do. What does it really take to have a trusting culture? Almost zero gap between what you say and what you do. Right. Right. The reliability factor. It's all about what you do. Right. But and and formed by what you say. Right. You know that you'll appreciate there's that old saying, right? It's not what you do. It's what uh, it's not what you say. It's what you do. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think that's been lost. Thinking about in today's world. I mean, what do you think is missing with people today? You know, when it comes and and just I'll, I'll preface that a little bit. You know, in the training coaching world, you're hearing a lot of things like authentic leadership now, transparent leadership. And I'm looking at these people going, are you kidding me? The, the, you make buzzwords out of these things and you, 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 you destroy the essence of what it is. So what do you think is missing in today's world with people when it comes down to this stuff? What do you think we need to do to get back to we? Is it possible? How long do you think it's going to take? I know, I mean, this might be a big philo- uh, philosophical question, but... Fuck, man, people are, people are mess. Culture is mess. Society is mess. People are running around selfishly. Leaders are, are taking on roles of managers and supervisors again. 
I mean, yeah. it's like we've almost swung back to to the 80s where like I have a white collar, you have a blue collar, white hat, blue hat. You're going to do what I tell you to do. It's, it's not about business, first of all, that we got to get over that. Business is a reflection of the society as a whole. It's just like governments are. It's about us. It's about who are we. Uh, the, uh, this view that our children have to, we have to do all the things to help our children get ahead and, you know, manipulate the college entrance systems, right. manipulate tests, right? All that kind of stuff, because we want them to go to wherever it is, you know, Stanford or USC or, you know, whatever. And that's about me. And every time that happens, it breaks down a little more trust, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, you know, one of the problems with the Internet, the, the opposite side of the Internet is that it has a tendency to break down trust. Yeah. Because everything's too, sort of false. It's too easy to communicate. It's too easy to be angry over the internet. You don't have to come face to face with that person. And then you see it fomented itself in these angry people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know what's going to break the cycle. I think expectations, you know. Of, changing uh, our expectations, managing our expectations. Our expectations, yeah. Changing our expectations of, of that that's okay. And it's, that's a problem right now. And I, it's, it seems to be all okay right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Everything is given a pass, right? Yeah, everything is given a pass. What you say is given a pass um, at all levels, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's less and less accountability, right? People don't want to be held accountable. You know, it's, I, I have, uh, I have my, what I call my six P's and uh, the, the, the fifth P is performance. Mm-hmm. Well, just walk us through the six P's. What are the six P's? Okay, the six P's is, this is how I do everything in my life. The okay. first P is purpose. Everything in my life has to have a purpose greater than myself. Cool. It has to be bigger than me, and it has to drive me, gets me up in the morning. The second P is passion. If I'm going to do something bigger than myself, then I darn well be better be passionate about it. Scream it from the highest mountaintops. Amazing. The third P is persistence. Nothing happens without persistence. If there's one particular uh, thing that all, all entrepreneurs that I've ever met have in common, that's the word, persistence. They right. don't know from no. No is the beginning of the conversation for them. And then, right. and then patience, which you'd think is opposite of persistence. It's not. It's patience. It's learning to have patience with yourself. Not everything comes in the time frame that you want it. Not, mm-hmm. everything, not every person performs with the speed that you want it. So you gotta have patience with yourself and you gotta have patience with your people. The, the fifth P is performance. Performance matters. When you make a commitment to do something, if you get married and you say, I'm gonna have a monogamous relationship, you better darn well do it. That's performance. If your job is to take out the garbage at home, that's performance. If, you're, if you say to your son or daughter, I'm gonna to come to see your soccer game tonight or this afternoon, you better show up. Mm-hmm. Do right? what you if you say to your boss, I'll get those numbers in on time, that's performance. Now, it doesn't mean we all do 100%, but, but if we're going to miss something, then we darn well better be early in telling people that we're going to miss it. Mm-hmm. And then the final P, everything we do in life is about people. It's all about serving people. There is no job that anybody could have, none, zero, that isn't about serving people. If you're the widget maker making widgets in a manufacturing plant, the widget goes into a printing press. The printing press gets sold to a publisher who produces a magazine or a newspaper to inform or entertain, right? The widget maker 
is serving people. Right. It's up to us to build that and find that connection because that's what keeps us going. People don't burn out. They bore out. You know, they don't, they, and they bore out because they lose a connection between why they're here and, and what they're doing. So let, me, let me just repeat that. People don't burn out. They bore out. Yeah. Right? yeah. They, they get bored. They lose touch. Everybody gets tired. But if, if you're constantly attached to your greater purpose in life, you never lose energy. You right. get tired. Yeah, absolutely. You may take a rest, but you, you never, right? You're just, you're with it all the time. Man, this is, first, I love your six Ps. I, I think they represent everything that we need to have for success, not just professionally, but personally. And what was really amazing and what I just heard you talk about was this wasn't just, as you said, for a nine to five sort of square corporate thing. This is something the way you live. If, I love where you the analogy you gave of, you know, performance and marriage, not in the way we're thinking, but, you know, if you're married, your job is to sort of, you know, show up as spouse and sort of be monogamous and put effort into the relationship or as parent, your job is to show up at the soccer game. Awesome. Because people don't look at it that way. They look at this as a separation. And I've been saying to people forever, I'm like, there is no separation between your professional life and your personal life. You're the same human being, you're the same person, you've got the same emotions. And we have to start to recognize that the values and the way we behave at home should be the way we behave at the office. And in some cases, the way we behave in our corporate lives is sometimes better than the way we behave ho at home emotionally. You hit it right on. I'm always amazed. I watch people at work with that. They're the greatest people and people love them and they go home and they're complete jerks. Right. You know, they're right. the, the opposite. And right. there's no question. It's this is about a life. That's all this is about life and how you want to live your life. So let me let me ask you some questions right now. So let me go through your six Ps. So tell me what your current purpose is. What's your purpose right now? To nurture and inspire the human spirit every day, beginning with myself first and then for others. Amazing. I'm trying I'm trying to change how we lead. And I do that by building other people up and talking about what they can be, what their possibilities are. Being, becoming more human. That's amazing. Yeah, and I'm passionate about it. I really am because, look, I, I'm passionate about it for a lot of reasons. The primary reason, because I think it's the right way to live. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's what really makes the world work and makes our lives work. Mm -hmm. If I'm serving my wife, right? So she's decided she, she's, uh, when she decided she wanted to go and get her PhD, and then she was quitting work. And at the time, we didn't have it. We didn't hardly, had hardly any money, early days at Starbucks. And, and so she wasn't going to be bringing any uh, money in. But we sat down and we worked it out. My job was to serve her in her journey. Mm -hmm. Not to tell her no or we can't do that. Mm -hmm. But figure out how we could do it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, that's it. You know, it's about life. That's amazing. Can we talk a little bit about Starbucks? Sure. This I'm just interested. I mean, how, uh, yeah, we know the story on how you started with Starbucks, but like, how did you start in Starbucks? What was that first conversation like? What were some of the first challenges that you had? I mean, early days, what was it like? Totally an accident. I, I had been president of a land development company in the Seattle area. Yeah. And, uh, got fired from my job, basically. And I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And fortunately, I had some money in the bank and I could take some time. And um, I met this guy, Howard Schultz, who was 10 years younger than I was. I was 44. He was 33. And he had just bought Starbucks a year before. Right. And a friend of mine who was the 
And one of the founders of Costco, a guy named Jeff Brotman, was sitting on the board of this little tiny coffee company. And I'd been a customer of Starbucks for years. You know, I'd bu- not buying cups of coffee because they didn't sell cups of coffee. Yeah, they sold uh, beans and stuff. By the beans, by the pound. And so yeah. I'd always buy beans at Starbucks. And so he introduced me to Howard. And Howard was looking for a VP of operations. And, but I wanted to buy a company. I was through working in corporate life. And so we sat down and Howard had this whole list of criteria. And the first thing, do you have a college degree? I don't have a college degree. Second thing is, do you have food service experience background? I had that. Finally, we got to number 10. Can you breathe? Yes, I can breathe. <laughs> but we shook hands and said, not for you, not for me. Right. And a year had passed and I finally found a company to buy. And it was a, it was the, a franchise for Oregon, Washington, British Columbia of a company called Hickory Farms. Remember Hickory Farms? Yeah. And cheese business kind of for the holidays. Right. So I didn't know anything about franchising, but my brother-in-law knew somebody and it happened to be one of Howard's first investors and he was helping Howard and he was at the Seattle roasting plant for Starbucks, a little tiny place. And so he said, let's go talk to this guy. His name was Jack Rogers. And uh, my brother-in-law was going to loan me some money. So, so we sat down with Jack and I was pitching my heart out to Jack of why I wanted to do this. And Jack just looked at me and said, what do you want to do that for? We need a guy like you right here at Starbucks. And I told him the story how I'd been through that. He said, well, we still haven't filled that position and you're the right guy. And so my brother-in-law, a sigh of relief, you could have heard all the way from Seattle to California. He wouldn't have had to loan me any money if I got a job. You know? <laughs> so he was pushing it. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I went through the interview process again and finally Howard and I met up again. I said, Howard, before you decide that you want me or before I decide that I want to come here, assuming you want me, can I work in the company for a week for free? I, I just want to, you don't pay me anything, nothing. You know, um, I want to work in the plant for a couple of days. I want to work in the stores for three days. I want to work on the trucks delivering coffee. So I did that. And I came out of that first week saying this was right for me. And Howard fortunately extended me an invitation to join Starbucks. And that began my journey. And almost from the get-go, I thought this was, it was about coffee. It wasn't about coffee. It was about people. Mm. I, I smelled it. You know, like you smell the coffee. I smelled what it was about. Now, Starbucks was still believing it was about coffee. And Howard Schultz was still believing it was about coffee. Mm-hmm. And our biggest battles were over that. You know, it wasn't that he didn't care about people. He did. But he, he, you know, it's like all entrepreneurs. They think their product or their service, that's what it's all about. It's the minute you, the truth is, the minute you hire one single, one person in your company, somebody to help you. Or you have, even if you don't hire them, you hire a consultant or whatever, it becomes about people. And so I coined that I was having trouble getting people to get it, you know, to understand it. And I was selling my heart out with people, you know, and trying to model it and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. finally, I figured, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I love quotes. I had hundreds of quotes in my office wall. And I'm, I, I was good at making up things. And I, I believe that words matter. So I, I said, you know, I started saying to people, you know, we're not in the coffee business serving people, but we're in the people business serving coffee. <laughs> that tied the two together. And amazingly enough, you'd say, oh, that's just, a, what are you talking about? That's me. Today, 30, 30 some years later, they still use it. They still live by it. Wow. So in a lot of cases, people, people move to leave legacy, right? Or people want to leave a legacy. By definition, what you just described is the ultimate legacy, which is, the model of behavior continued. Yeah. And right? I wasn't trying to leave a legacy. I was trying to get people to understand. That's the whole point. You weren't trying to leave a legacy. 
the greatest leaders in history have been able to move people and you move people with emotion. And, 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 and when people give you that emotion, as you said, there's trust there. There's something magical. So, but you said something. So they were the biggest battles that you and Howard had over sort of this, this thing. How long did it take? I mean, you know, do you remember the defining moment? It was significant amount of time. It took a few years. Right. And do you think Starbucks would be as successful as it is today if, if that wasn't? No, I, I got the ball rolling. And certainly the people that came into it, they started to get it and saying, yes, okay, I get that. And, and they attached. Look, at, the secret to Starbucks success isn't the sauce. It's the people and how we treated each other. That's the secret. We didn't have great training programs. That wasn't what we did. We had one program we called Star Skills. You know what that was about? That was about how you learn to live and work with other people. Amazing. Howard, you are the definition of what leadership is. And I mean, your story is a story of the importance of working and supporting the people. And the proof is the, is the success of Starbucks. Starbucks had ups and downs. There's no straight. Everybody looks at Starbucks and say, wow, look at that. It just went right to the top. It didn't. We, we were losing money when I got there. And we, we made lots of mistakes along the way. And what saved us was the people side. We always could come back. We held ourselves accountable. We, we wanted our people to hold leadership accountable. You know, we had no company cars. We had no executive health clubs. We didn't have any of that stuff. We didn't, we didn't have a company airplane until Howard finally, you know, a company got so huge, he wanted one, you know, and I fought it. I said, you never meet a customer on an air, on a private jet, right. you know, but you know, I understand now they need it because they're, they're diverse all over the U S it saved yeah, them a little today's, time. A, today's a different story. It's about time. It's how we do things in life. You know, uh, people have to identify what their core values are and then determine how those core values inform their decisions and actions in life. Organizations need to do exactly the same thing. You know, they have to be cognizant of their core values and those core values represent them. And then that's how they live. And they should have mechanisms for holding themselves accountable. They should. They should. I'll show you something here. Let's see. I've got it sitting here. It's, I see my little uh, pen. I have it pen on my wall. This is Howard in 50 words or less. Hmm. I've had this for almost 50 years, for 45 years, 46 years. Can you read it for us? Because anyone listening? It's my personal mission statement, which is to live my life every day, nurturing and inspiring the human spirit of myself and others. Then my core values, honesty, fairness, respect for self and others, responsibility, integrity, trust in self and others, caring and love. Wow. And each one of those means something to me. And then how I do everything, which is my six Ps. And then I have a five-year plan. What's you your know, five-year plan? My five-year plan sets out all my goals and what I want to accomplish over the next five years. I break it down in one, three, and five years. Mm-hmm. And they're about spirituality. They're about personal growth. They're about uh, economic well-being. They're about family. They're about marriage. All the different headings that you might have in your life. And then and my wife and I do that work together because she has hers. Mm-hmm. And that's when we sort out our, our differences. Right. And that's where you see alignment as well. Yeah, we see alignment. Yeah, yeah. we have alignment. And uh, so, you know, that's how I live, try to live my life. Am I perfect at it? No. Well, I talk a lot about practice, right? Which is at the end of the day, as long as we're practicing, let's go to your six P's, you know, patience, performance. You know, I think in some of your your story that you described, that's, you know, there was a lot of patience that you had to put into, right? Yourself and others. So let me ask you this, within your own family, between your kids and your grandkids, do you see these 
values, the six P's, the servant leadership? Do you see it? Do you see it within your family? Like your 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 kids living it? I do. I, I see. I do. I see it in both of my kids, and there are two. They each. When Lynn and I got married, we each had a child from our first marriage. Yeah. The, our son Scott was six, and my daughter was two. And when we got married, and um, and they they are servant leaders, both of them. You know, I don't know that they would use those words, but that's I watch them, and that's how they act. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how they were treated. You know, you started the conversation out today saying that you have to give trust before um, asking or earning trust. You know, it's so funny, the, the, the things you share and, and often what I talk about in training and coaching, as much as it's based on things like, you know, some deep concepts and psychology and thought leadership. And at the end of the day, it's everything I teach is common sense. How do you develop trust, right? You know, show up. Reliability is what you were talking about, showing up, making sure that you actually show up. And intimacy is that social connection. Yeah. You know, I often talk about this, you know, people that I work with, I don't want to work with people that I don't like, that I don't want to be in a community with. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is it's, it's, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a small business, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a community. We, we need to, we need to yeah. be with each other. Howard, um, I want to be respectful of time, but you are an amazing human being. You are the definition of what my company represents, which is making humans better humans. You're still doing it. If I could quote you at 76 years old, I think you still got a long, long uh, journey ahead to keep this message going. And I'd love to have you back or have you on for another part of the show at some point, And we can talk a little more, a little deeper about some things, but thank you for taking the time to talk, man. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate letting, letting, letting me live out my mission today. Yeah, that's amazing. So if you're up for it, let's definitely do this again. All right. Um, and uh, Howard, if someone wants to get in touch with you, if, if, if you know. My email is hb at howardbhard.com. And my cell phone number is 206-972-7776. I'm sometimes slow to respond, but I get back to everybody. That's amazing. Amazing. And you know what? I appreciate you getting back to me. And I, I spoke to someone the other day and I'll just share this thought, a final thought with you. They said one of the most important things you can do is call everyone back. Absolutely. And I was like, that was also impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, Howard, we will follow up with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Once again, um, if there's anything I can do for you, you let me know. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks very much for having me. Bye-bye. All right. If you like that episode, which I hope you did, because that was the one and only Howard Bahar, the legend, the author, the man himself. Don't forget to click subscribe. Don't forget to click like. Don't forget to leave a comment. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to do all that stuff. And we will see you next time. Hey, I'm Greg Witz. Thanks so much for coming and checking out the video. If you like that video, you're going to love the next one. So I'd highly suggest that you click this video over here. And don't forget to subscribe and share.